I just don't know what to do. What do you mean? Like, what do we say? I don't know. Introduce yourself. You introduce yourself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast, True Crimes and Storytimes. I'm Michelle. I'm not Michelle. <laughs> hey, don't take my thing. I did that last time. I'm Kirsten. <laughs> and this is part two of the Tylenol Murders. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. We always do sound effects for your videos and or for videos? your episodes and um, I'm offended. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I feel I like know, we're more... Kidding hype for mine for whatever I know, reason mine's more laid back i think it's because we always record yours first <laughs> and then we're like all right we got the recording jitters out so now we can now we're like loosen we're up go. a little bit yeah, yeah. so anywho. anyways yeah anywho anyways anywho. shut up <laughs> <laughs> let's just get into it all right um go subscribe to our patreon if you haven't already link in show notes yep i, I feel like you I'm always being say a that. dead horse <laughs> like you always same, say that it's like the same thing how else time. do you say it go subscribe to our patreon link in the show now <laughs> so anyway <laughs> give us a rating if you haven't already or a review please <laughs> and if you have any stories to email us um crazy creepy paranormal um you met a serial killer i don't know <laughs> email it to us at our email tcstpod at gmail.com and we will link that in the show notes as well and you'll be featured on our podcast yes and please um put story in like the description or that's not me or something like that yeah so we know what to look for anywho let's get into it let's go so where we left off um we were talking about stella and her husband bruce stella beat her daughter hamilton with a curtain rod don't forget about yeah, that we had a long conversation about the curtain rod <laughs> yeah um she married her husband bruce he stopped drinking it didn't suit her lifestyle bruce took some excedrin and then died and then another lady sue also took some excedrin and died and they found out that she had died of acute cyanide poisoning that's where we had left off um so if you want to hear the beginning of the story just go to part one. Or else you're going to be a little bit confused. Yeah. We kind of went off into a a whole case, like, that kind of correlates with the Tylenol murders, so mm -hmm. that's kind of where we're at right now. Yes. So, where we left off, that the tests had verified that Sue had died of acute cyanide poisoning. Okay. So, investigators examined the contents of the Sue Paul household and discovered the source of the cyanide. It was the bottle of Excedrin capsules that both Sue and Paul had used the morning of Sue's death. Paul had not died, so don't forget that. That was her husband, and he didn't die. Okay. Um, three capsules out of those that remained in the 60-capsule bottle were found to be laced with cyanide in toxic quantities. So it wasn't like the whole bottle. Yeah, so he got lucky, and he didn't get any that had cyanide. She was not. No. So, a murder by cyanide was obviously sensational news in Washington. 
Yeah. Um, when another tainted bottle from the same lot was found in a grocery store in nearby Kent, Washington, the manufacturers of Excedrin, Bristol-Myers, responded to the discovery with a heavily publicized recall of all Excedrin products in the Seattle area. So this case was based in Washington. Okay. We are now going away from Chicago. Okay. So a group of drug companies came together to offer a $300,000 reward for the capture of the person responsible. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. Especially in the 1980s. Mm Mm-hmm. So in response to the publicity, Stella came forward on June 19th. She told police that her husband had recently died suddenly after taking pills from a 40-capsule bottle of Excedrin with the same lot number as the one that had killed Sue. Okay. Tests by the FDA confirmed the presence of cyanide in her husband's remains and in two Excedrin bottles Stella had turned over to the police. Two bottles. Okay. Initial suspicions were directed at Bristol-Myers. Both Paul and Stella filed wrongful death lawsuits against the company, as anybody would. Well, yeah. The FDA inspected the Morrisville, North Carolina plant, where the tainted lot had been packaged, but found no traces of cyanide to explain its presence in the Washington bottles. So again, just like the Tylenol murders, they were put on the shelf, and then somebody tainted them. Like, as they were in the store. Yeah, it didn't get tainted at the production facility or whatever. So, on June 18th, Bristol-Myers recalled all Excedrin capsules in the U.S., pulling them from store shelves and warning consumers to not use any they may have already bought. I messed that up, but we're going to roll with it. (laughs) It still makes sense. Two days later, the company announced a recall of all of their non-prescription capsule products. So, they just took everything off the shelves. Yeah, I mean, I would, I mean, that yeah. makes sense. Just to be safe. You don't know where it's coming from or who's doing it or mm-hmm. what it could be in, so. So, on June 24th, a cyanide-contaminated bottle of Anison, which, if you didn't know, is one of the oldest brands of pain relievers. I didn't know that. Yeah, was found at the same store where Sue had bought her contaminated Excedrin. Okay. On June 27th, Washington State put into effect a 90-day ban on the sale of non-prescription medication in capsules. So, there was nothing you could buy. completely. Yeah. Not just Excedrin. Everything. So, everything. The contaminated bottles were examined by the FBI Crime Lab. And they found that in addition to containing cyanide powder... The poison capsules also contained flecks of an unknown green substance. Ugh. Further tests showed that the substance was an algicide used in home aquariums sold under the name Algae Destroyer. Oh, I see. I'm connecting the dots. Do we here. remember? Do we remember? I remember because you were like, "Remember the aquarium," and I was like, "What does the aquarium have to do with anything?" Remember when Stella started that hobby mm-hmm. of her aquarium? Don't forget that, y'all. What would you use in an aquarium? You would use algaecide. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, with contamination of the Excedrin at the source. Having been ruled out, investigators began to focus their investigation on the end users of the product. The FBI began an investigation into possible product tampering. At the time, Excedrin was packaged in plastic bottles with the mouth of the bottle sealed with foil and the lid secured to the bottle with plastic wrap. 
Okay. So it was secured. Okay. It was sealed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like they are today. Mm-hmm. Both Paul and Stella were asked to take a polygraph examination, which doesn't necessarily mean anything. I mean, we all know they can't really be used in a court of law today because anybody can fail a polygraph. Yeah. If you're... Yeah. Because it's all based off your heart rate and stuff, so... Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean anything, but, you know. Right. So, Paul did take the polygraph test, but Stella... Stella declined to take the test. Hmm. I wonder why. She's looking a little sus. A little bit. She's looking a little sus. Her and her aquarium. And beating her kid with a curtain rod. Yeah, seriously. She's already looking sus. She already needs to be put behind bars. Seriously. (laughs) So, at this time... Stella had started drinking really heavily. I wonder why. Hmm. She was already drinking before, but... It's just gotten worse. I wonder if she's stressed out about something. Hmm. I wonder if she's scared of something and trying to relieve her pain. Me too. So, a lawyer representing Stella told reporters that she was too shaken up to be subjected to the examination. Okay. I mean, here's the thing. We have seen cases where, let's just say, okay, in the Betsy Free case, mm-hmm. um, her husband took the polygraph test and failed. Yeah, that's why I'm saying they're was, not... Because he was very shaken up. I mean, yeah. his wife was just murdered. Yeah. So, I could see that, but in her case, that's just making her look more sus. Mm-hmm. But he, here's the thing, he had freaking receipts Right. I mean, there was, that's he a whole thing. He had so much evidence. That's and if, a whole thing. If y'all want to know, just go back to Kirsten's true crime episode of Betsy Faria. And it was so good. So good, y'all. Go listen to it. There's so much know. in that case. There yes. was a lot to unpack. But he was innocent and failed the polygraph test. Mm-hmm. Because he had been interrogated for hours on end directly after finding his yeah. wife murdered in his house. Yep. So he was shake quote unquote shaken up, yeah, as she said. Mm-hmm. But that's just she's just trying to pull strings. Yeah. So investigators' suspicions began to turn to Stella when they discovered that she claimed that the two contaminated Excedrin bottles that she had turned over to the police had been purchased at different times in different locations. Okay. So, there were a total of five bottles that had been found that were contaminated in the entire country, right? Okay. And the FBI thought it was pretty suspicious that Stella would happen Mm -hmm. to have acquired two of these five bottles throughout the whole country. Right. Purely by chance, okay? Mm -hmm. So, the investigators are now focusing towards Stella. Rightly so. So, detectives... what did you say? I said rightly so. Oh, it literally sounded, <laughs> did not sound like that. I was like, rightly so. They should, I, they no, should I turn heard to you. Stella. I get you now. <laughs> okay. it just, when you said that, it did not click in my brain. I was like, <laughs> did she even say words? <laughs> I literally was like, did she even, is that English? Like, it was English. Okay, okay. It was much English. Dude, I was literally like, what the heck? <laughs> I know, when you didn't say anything back, I was like, did she understand what I said? No. And then you said, what did you say? <laughs> I started reading the rest, and then I'm like, wait, wait what? <laughs> back up a second. Okay. So, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. 
Detectives uncovered more circumstantial evidence pointing to Stella as the culprit. Rightly so. (laughs) (laughs) I heard you that. Okay. So Stella had taken out a total of about 76000 in insurance coverage on her husband's life, with an additional payout of 100000 if his death was accidental. Here we go with the freaking insurance. Fucking life, life insurance, insurance man, bro. Don't get life insurance. There is, t- I mean, do, but don't. <laughs> don't tell people that don't you have life about, insurance. Not even, your, I'm going to say not even your spouse. Because obviously there are too many cases where your spouse is just like, oh, we're hurting for money and you've got $150,000 on your life. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I have life insurance. I know how to solve that problem. I don't. I do. And it, um, it goes to my mom. She knows. Mine goes, if I did, mine would go to my kids. Well, you have you kids. Have, I don't. We've had this discussion on the podcast yeah. before. And I know she would give money to Austin and to my dad. Oh, she would. Yeah. She would delegate the money to the people that it goes to. That's why I strictly put her on there. Yeah. And she's not going to try to murder me. My mom loves me, y'all. Sorry. Logan, when he was in the fire department, he had life insurance through them in case mm-hmm. anything were to happen while, like, on duty. Yeah. And um, it was his mom and dad. But then when we got married, he had to do a whole thing and, like, switch it to me. Yeah. Well, and that makes sense. He was like, well, because it asked for, like, a primary person and then it mm-hmm. asked for, like, a secondary person. Yeah. So, like, my, I was the primary person, and then, like, our son was the secondary person. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, Stella was known to have, even before Sue's death, repeatedly disputed doctors' rulings that her husband had died of natural causes. So, she was trying to get more money by the <laughs> accidental death. Right. So, she was trying to dispute what doctors were saying, like, oh, it's not natural, it's not natural, because she wanted more money. Right, okay. So, further FBI investigation showed that Bruce's purported signatures on at least two of the insurance policies in his name had been forged. And we both know. (sighs) And anybody else that has been listening, Stella was already in jail for forgery before she met Bruce. Mm Mm-hmm. So, investigators were also able to verify that Stella had purchased algae destroyer from a local fish store. Imagine that. I'm so shocked. It was speculated that the algicide had become mixed with the cyanide when Stella used the same container to crush both substances without washing it in between uses. How sloppy do you have to be? She's not a pro-murderer. I'm not a pro-murderer either, but it's cross-contamination. Also, we run a true crime podcast, bro. Yeah, that's true. But tr- cross contamination is literally taught in schools. True. To like always wash anything you use before you do something else with it. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, literally, I, she's just being sloppy. She's she just being sloppy. If so, she was like really doing like her like really trying, <laughs> go off, sis. I am going off. If she was really trying to get this money from her husband and get away with it, she would have been a little smarter. Yeah. That's I true. don't want to sound like I'm going to murder well, I somebody. I just think but... some people just are so, like, enveloped in themselves that they just don't think they're ever going to get caught. Just like Ted Bundy thought he was never going to get caught, but look at him. He yeah. did. Mm-hmm. It's those type of people. Yeah. So, upon all of this coming into light, mm-hmm. Stella's like, yeah, I'll take a polygraph exam. And this was in November of 1986. Okay. She failed the test. I'm not surprised. Yeah. 
And I put in my notes, we all know that they aren't always accurate. But I believe this is pretty on point because yeah. oh, of all yeah. the other things that are pointing directly to her. Yeah. When you're guilty, you're guilty. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Um, but the one thing that was missing was the concrete evidence proving that Stella had ever purchased or used cyanide. So, they mm. didn't have that evidence. So, it was kind of like, hmm. Okay. What do we do? They knew she had the algicide. They knew the algicide was found in the mm-hmm. bottles and stuff. But they didn't have the evidence that she had the cyanide. Yes. Okay. So, they did believe she had orchestrated the poisonings as either an elaborate cover-up for an insurance-motivated murder of her husband or a desperate attempt to force her husband's death to be ruled an accident to increase her insurance payout. But unfortunately, they were unable to build a strong case supporting the arrest. But, I mean, I think there's enough. But in January of 1987, Hamilton, Stella's daughter, uh-huh. she's grown now. Okay. She approached the police with some information. The police. <laughs> I was trying to slide by like that didn't happen. <laughs> Novage. She said the police. <laughs> Are you Sid? I was from no, Ice Age. I'm Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. Dude, I was literally trying to slide by and act like that didn't happen. Okay, anyway, we're gonna. Yes, she posted the police <laughs> with information. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I didn't know I would have a lisp all of a sudden. A lisp. Okay, so. Hamilton's mother, Stella, Mm -hmm. had spoken to her repeatedly about wanting Bruce dead, having grown bored with him after he quit drinking. Oh my god! Because it didn't suit her lifestyle, remember? That's gross. I'm so grossed out. That's so stupid. So Stella had even told her that she had tried to poison Bruce previously with foxglove hidden in capsules. And foxglove is a plant or a flower. Okay. Plant and flower, it's both. But it has medicinal uses, but is also very toxic to humans and other animals, and consumption can even lead to death. Okay. So when that failed, um, Stella had begun library research and into other methods of poisoning, and she came upon cyanide. Okay, here's another thing. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned before, she's being sloppy. Mm-hmm. Why would you say that to your daughter? Why would you say it to anybody that you were trying to poison well, your husband? She trusted her daughter, so I think that's why she told you, her. You but think, you literally beat her with a curtain rod. I was so about to you say, you really you think back? your daughter trusts you? Yeah, and you literally you... murdered someone. Like, of course she's going to come clean. Yeah, okay. I'm just, she's just not thinking very, <clears throat> no, very smartly. Not at all. So, Hamilton also claimed that Stella had spoken to her about what the two of them could do with the insurance money if Bruce was dead. That's a great start. She's just like, imagine, just listen, just listen to my plan. We kill my husband. Is it her dad? I don't think so. I think she was from a previous relationship. We kill my husband. We get all kinds of money. Imagine what we can do with all this money. We could go on trips. We could buy a house, Mm -hmm. new cars. And I can beat you with a curtain rod. And you really think she's going to fall for this shit? No. She's going to be like, oh, yes, please kill him. Right. Not any sane person. No. So, records from the Auburn Public Library, when subpoenaed, showed that Stella had checked out numerous books about poisons. 
Okay. This included human poisonings from native and cultivated plants and deadly harvest. Nice. The former was marked as overdue in library records, indicating that Stella had borrowed but never returned it. That's just light reading. Like, I read those books all the time. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. (laughs) Logan, I know you're not listening, but watch out, buddy. (laughs) Might be coming for you next. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll get the insurance payout, though. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He doesn't have it anymore. Dang it. Dang. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I guess we gotta cultivate a different plan. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You're next. What? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Damn it. I told her I had life insurance, guys. She's screwed. <laughs> well, she doesn't get the payout, though. My mom does. That's okay. Your mom likes me. <laughs> Too funny. I'm just kidding. No, she does. <laughs> she does like me. Yes. She wasn't kidding about that part. No, I was kidding about murdering Michelle for yes, her life. Yes, please not. Let's not. <laughs> so, the FBI identified Stella's fingerprints on cyanide-related pages on some things she had checked out. That's not sus. No, not at all. Not at all. So, by the summer of 1987, even Stella's attorneys acknowledged that she was the prime suspect in this case. That's bad. Yeah. If your own attorneys are like... You're looking a little guilty. Mm-hmm. That's saying something. On December 9th of 1987, Stella was indicted by the federal grand jury on five counts of product tampering, including two, which resulted in the deaths of Ruth. Ruth? Ruth? <laughs> Here, we Here we go again. I did it again. It's because I said deaths. Deaths. And Bruce. And Gosh. Sue. <laughs> That's a lot of... Including so- two, which resulted in the deaths of bruce and sue okay their deaths are not funny i'm just laughing about myself right now she can't talk today no so stella was arrested the same day she went on trial in april of 1988 and was found guilty of all charges on may 9th after five days of jury deliberation okay go back a second what so you said she was indicted on five counts Mm-hmm. So that's for all five bottles, mm-hmm. right? So how did those other bottles get to Chicago? No, they were in Washington. Oh, five bottles in Washington. Yeah. But, well, they said all over the country there were only five bottles. So I'm not really sure how that worked out. You see what I'm saying, though? Yeah. Anyway, just keep going. They didn't really acknowledge that. But I think this was just related to it. I don't necessarily know if they charged her with the Tylenol murders, too. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, Stella's legal team saw a mistrial on grounds of jury tampering and judicial misconduct. So, one of the jurors had been a plaintiff in a case involving a pill baked into Pepperidge Farm goldfish crackers. Oh, gosh. While it was deemed to be a manufacturing error, the defense thought it involved product tampering and therefore should have been disclosed during jury selection. The motion was denied. Because you're just pulling at straws at this point. Yeah. Stella was sentenced to two terms of 90 years in prison for the deaths of Bruce and Sue. She was also sentenced to three 10-year terms for the other product tampering charges. All sentences were to run concurrently, and the judge ordered Stella to pay a small fine and forfeit her remaining assets to the families of her victims. Good. Stella was denied parole in 2017. Good. As of April 2019, Stella is housed at female-only low-security, minimum-security, Federal Correction Institution in Dublin, California, 
just east of San Francisco. Nice. Her release date is given as July 10th of 2040. That's not that far away. No, I thought they said two, two, hold on, let's go back. Two terms of 90 years in prison plus Mm -hmm. three 10-year terms. How does that equal to 2040? I don't know. I really don't know. How does that equal to 2040? I really don't know, what but that's her release date. What is wrong with our justice system? I don't know. She should be in jail for the rest of her life. Yeah. Rotting away. So, she is still alive today, and she's 74 years old right now. Okay, so when she's due to get out of prison, she'll most likely be dead before yeah. then. Okay. But still. But Even still, if she wasn't. No, her... Because when was this happening? In the 1980s. Okay. Yeah, see, that's not... That's not... Okay, if two terms... It's been, of, like, 40 years. If two terms of 90, you serve half of your term on good behavior. Oh, I guess that's about 90, 45 years. That's still 90 years, because if it's two terms for 90, that's still 90 oh, years. Oh, well, yeah, you're right. Plus three, 10 year, that's 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. 90 plus 15 is 105. Wait, you said three, t- oh, yeah, 15, it's half 30. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I see where you're saying. So it should be... 115 years out that's still mm-hmm. 115 years not yeah 2040 is a lot less than 115 years so stella she tried to appeal a few times but it was all denied Good. and she also tried to blame her daughter hamilton and say she just wanted the payout for turning in her mother which the payout was 300,000 mm-hmm. and hamilton got 250,000 usd i mean I don't think it was just for the payout. I don't think it was just for the payout either. I think her mother was a piece of shit mm-hmm. and she Stella's was tired like, of it. Or Hamilton was like, oh, you want to murder Bruce and get the insurance payout? Bet I'll double it when I turn your ass in. Man, that's what you get for beating me with a curtain rod, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so Stella also claimed that the store owner that sold her algae destroyer was also paid off to lie to the court by her daughter. She's just try- She's just trying so hard. Yeah. So, we're back at 1982 with the Chicago Tylenol murders after that case is settled. So, after the 1982 Chicago Tylenol murders, new FDA regulations went into effect, which made it a federal crime rather than just a state or local crime to tamper with consumer products. As it should be. So, if you went to the store right now and grabbed Tylenol off the shelves, tampered with it, put it back, that's a federal crime. The FBI is coming after you. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I think when they said the five bottles of Excedrin, mm-hmm. or the five bottles, they weren't talking about the Tylenol murders, because that was, like, later, 1980. It was just the five. That had been found in general. Okay. So, local and state authorities are not prevented from also filing charges in these cases. So, you could get, be charged with a federal crime and a local crime mm-hmm. and a state crime. Yeah. So, under this law, Stella's crime was prosecutable as a federal product tampering case, as well as a state murder case, and she was not convicted of murder, but of product tampering that caused death. That's still murder, though. Yeah. I mean, she got charged with two years of... two sentences of 90 years, so... So, the possibility of state charges for the actual murders of Bruce and Sue continues to exist. So, if they wanted to, they could charge her with that as well. She'll, She'll be dead before then, though. Yeah. In 1986, Procter and Gamble's and Capron was recalled after a spiking hoax in Chicago and Detroit that resulted in a sales drop and a withdrawal of the pain reliever from the market. 
So there was another copycat. Mm -hmm. In 1991, in Washington State, Kathleen Daneker and Stanley McHorter were killed from two cyanide-tainted boxes of Sudafed, which is a sinus decongestant. Jesus. Jennifer Mailing went into a coma from a similar poisoning, but recovered shortly thereafter. So Jennifer's husband, Joseph Mealing, was convicted on numerous charges in a federal Seattle court regarding the deaths of Daniker and McCorder and the attempted murder of his wife, who was abused during the marriage. It's not looking good. So, I just wanted to go back and say, though, that we're still covering copycats. Yeah. So, that's why we're still going into different things like okay. this. So, Joseph was sentenced to life imprisonment and lost an appeal for a retrial. Okay. Listen to this, though. His wife filed divorce, right? After the poisoning, when she realized he poisoned her mm-hmm. and tried to kill her. Mm-hmm. She went back to him and even defended him in court, bro. What the actual fuck? Who? Who? Who the fuck? Why would you do that? If he Austin literally poisoned tried to me, fucking kill if you. Austin poisoned me right now and tried to kill me, I'd be like, peace, bro. I'm out. Like, I can't. And I would not come back to defend him in court because he no, tried to kill me. That's on you, homie, not me. Literally. You did this. I'm not going to defend your ass. No, not at all, bro. I don't care if I still love you and I, you know, yeah. am sad about the things that happened. You did this. Yeah, seriously. Like, what the fuck? That's crazy to me. In 1986, a University of Texas student, Kenneth Ferries, was found dead in his apartment after succumbing to cyanide poisoning as well. Tampered anison capsules were determined to be the source of the cyanide found in his body. His death was ruled a homicide on May 30th of 1986. All of these are are considered homicide. Yep. On June 19th of 1986, the AP reported that the Travis County Medical Examiner ruled his death a likely suicide. What? The FDA determined he obtained the poison from a lab in which he worked. So they're saying that he obtained the poison and poisoned himself and killed himself. I don't know if that's very likely, but I mean, I guess it's possible. Yeah. I mean, I could see it if it really just depends, but. If he had the connections, then it makes sense. Yeah. Or the way he was acting, if people came forward and talked about how he was acting before that happened. Yeah. it really just depends the lead up of it all, too. Yeah. So, the whole Tylenol murders, you know, Johnson & Johnson received a lot of positive coverage for its handling of the whole crisis. Mm-hmm. So, because I gen- I genuinely think they did a pretty good job. Yeah. Like, from what we heard from part one. Yeah. So, an article in the Washington Post said... Johnson & Johnson has effectively demonstrated how a major business ought to handle a disaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The article further stated that this is no Three Mile Island accident, which was a nuclear meltdown in Pennsylvania, if you guys don't know, mm-hmm. in which the company's response did more damage than the original accident and applauded the company for being honest with the public. Yeah, I think they did a really good job. I did too. Like, um just doing as much as they can to prevent Mm -hmm. more people from dying yeah they were swapping out for fresh bottles they took all the bottles off the shelves Mm -hmm. you know so in addition to issuing the recall the company kept in touch with the chicago police department the fbi and the fda 
So they were going back and forth with these, you know, the investigation and everything and trying to help as much as they could. Right. So they wanted to do that so they could have a part in searching for the person who laced the capsules and they could also help prevent further tampering. Mm-hmm. So at the time of the Tylenol murders, the company's market share collapsed from 35% to 8%. Wow. But it rebounded in less than a year. Just wow. because of all of the proactive things they were doing to they take were, like, care. They were actually trying to fix yeah. the problem. Yeah. So in November, it reintroduced capsules in a new triple sealed package coupled with heavy price promotions. I mean, they're putting more stuff on the bottle, so they have to charge more. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. Yeah. So, within several years, Tylenol had regained the highest market share in the U.S. Wow. After the recall, Johnson & Johnson subsidiary McNeil Laboratories submitted a claim to its insurance company, affiliated FM Insurance, for the cost of carrying out the recall, a claim which was later denied. So... They didn't get any of their money back from that recall. Dang. And remember, it was like $300,000 yeah. is what it would be worth today, uh-huh. I think. That's crazy. So, a lawsuit determined that McNeil Laboratories was ultimately not covered because the parent company, Johnson & Johnson, elected not to buy more expensive recall insurance. How dumb is that? That's so dumb. So, McNeil sued again in court, furthering contended that the language of its excess liability insurance policy covered the recall and recall-related expenses. Mm -hmm. The court hearing that case rejected a claim of liability, stating that the recall was not caused by liability for the seven deaths. It was at best merely related to the seven deaths and that they served a notice to the plaintiff that the Tylenol remaining on the shelves was potentially harmful. So they were like, oh, seven people died. Eh. What the heck? So in 1991, Johnson & Johnson agreed to settle for an undisclosed sum all lawsuits against it for the original Chicago area deaths. So they just were like, okay, we'll They're just like, settle. whatever, yeah. Yeah. So, Robert Niffen, a spokesman for Johnson & Johnson, stated that, Though there is no way we could have anticipated a criminal tampering with our product or prevented it, we wanted to do something for the families and finally get this tragic event behind us. Good. The end. Good for them. That was a whirlwind. It really was. It really was. That's crazy. I liked all the little side stories, like the copycats was crazy, mm-hmm. like... It's crazy to me that, like, people want to take somebody else's crime and do it themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, look at, um, like, BTK. There mm-hmm. was so many copycats for BTK, and that's why it took a while for them to find out who really it was. Sorry. That's okay. Yeah, but it's just, like... I mean, like... It's crazy to me to think that, oh, this person's doing this really bad thing. I want to do it, too. I think what what the copycats think is if I, you know, I have this urge to kill somebody or to, like, commit a crime, commit murder, Mm -hmm. maybe if I copy somebody else who's already doing it, they will think that my murder is their murder. And so I'll get away with it. But... I think it's way more in-depth than that because of the motive behind each murder mm-hmm. and the signatures and, like, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, every serial killer has had, like, a, almost every serial killer yeah. has had some sort of signature. 
like so routine like that the police don't release think. necessarily right they keep it close to the chest so like if you go and commit that murder if you don't do the signature then it's obviously not the person that's committing all these other crimes. right like we saw with herbert mullen like it was hard for them to figure out who that was because mm-hmm. every every crime he committed every murder he committed was it was so, so different, different yeah and sporadic mm-hmm. and it wasn't until the very end yeah where they when they figured out who it was so it's just crazy to me that yeah. people think that way but yeah it is weird anyways it's, it's a complex thing i don't think you will ever understand it until no because i don't think you will ever understand it at all because we're not like that right and we're not like them yeah but thanks for listening guys i really appreciate it i liked that one that was i'd never heard of that one before i didn't even know that was a thing yeah that's a good crazy. thing i don't take tylenol <laughs> <laughs> i do I, I take ibuprofen, so it's okay. Ibupro- well, also, I'm just going to stop taking the capsules. Everything's I'm just start got taking tamper-proof pills. stuff on it nowadays, Kirsten. So People can be sneaky. You never know. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Um. Anyway, go subscribe to our Patreon. Yep. We already said that. To begin. Link in show notes while I'm telling them again. Because obviously they ain't listening. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's all I got. All right. Well, we will see you next week. See ya. Bye.